turn there. I'm going to be taking some scripture out of the gospel according to Matthew in chapter 6. And we'll start reading at verse 25. And uh, this particular message, of course, is kind of a sign of what's going on in this day and time because it talks about having faith in God and having trust in God. And we have to have faith in God. We have to trust in God. And many times I've said and done my best to practice that in this day and time, every day, we should save God as our first resort, not our last resort. We shouldn't wait and turn to God whenever bad things happen to us. But a lot of people would say, well, if I didn't use Him as my first resort, I won't use Him as my last resort. He's okay with that too. He's like a loving Father that the moment that He's called in and asked for help, He swoops in quickly uh, and brings the help that we need. Uh, And I can tell you that I reside just as confident in that today as I was last year, uh, the last 10 years, the last 18 years or so. uh, Because I can tell you that I've seen it with my own eyes. uh, uh, That God has taken care of situations that I couldn't handle. uh, That He's rescued when I didn't even know there was a problem. That He's taken care of things uh, before I even knew that I needed help. Many times in my life He had my help on the way before I even knew I was in trouble. And I can tell you, He's still that same God today that He was back then. And we'll start reading at verse 25 in Matthew chapter 6. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which, is to, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And a lot of times what we look around and we concern ourselves with continually. And now, Jesus wasn't chiding them for uh, uh, being mindful of what that they would need. Don't, don't mistake me for trying to chide people for being concerned about what that they're going to eat. But what He's saying is uh, that if you uh, are about God's business, if you put God first, uh, God will make sure that you'll have everything you need. Uh, and not only everything that you need, uh, uh, but in abundance uh, that that He'll take care of you even in the most difficult of times. Uh, uh, that He talks about how that the sparrows, uh, uh, that they're real cheap, uh, and yet God knows every single one of them. Uh, that He knows you in such an intimate way uh, that even the very hairs on your head are numbered. And if He cares that much about you, uh, then do you not think that He cares about uh, uh, what you put on uh, and whether or not you have something to eat? Now, I can tell you this. Uh, you might not have exactly what you want. Uh, you might not have every little thing that you desire, uh, but you'll have exactly what you need. You see, one of the things that I did actually with my students at Vincent Middle School back uh, in the fall of the year is we talked about disasters and things like that. Uh, and I had them sit down and write out what they would do in a disaster. I told them, I said, let's pretend because most of them live within the confines of the city of Huntington. 
And I said, uh, let's pretend that the flood wall fails during the flood. All of a sudden it fails. And you look around uh, and you don't know when that uh, things are going to turn back to normal. What do you do? And they wrote down on it. And I had several of them read me their plan. And most of their plans started out with running out to the store, with going and doing this. And I told them, I said, now every one of you had the same idea. I said, what do you think that's going to cause to happen? And they said, there's probably not going to be any stuff available, is there? And I said, exactly. I said, the time to prepare is beforehand, not in the middle of crisis. And they went to asking me, well, Mr. Williamson, what should we do? And I began to tell them, I said, well, uh, get ready for today. You plan for the worst and you hope for the best. And that's what the Word of God wants us to do, is to trust in God that we plan for the worst by putting our faith in Him and we hope for the best by also putting our faith in Him. Because whether it is sunny, whether it's raining, whether we're on the mountaintop or the valley, it doesn't matter. He's still God. He still has all of the riches of this earth in the palm of His hand. And He can bless you abundantly even in the midst of a famine. That He can take care. Time fails me to take you over into the book of Kings where that uh, Elijah comes to a woman uh, and he asks her for some water uh, and some bread. Uh, and she tells him, well, uh, uh, I don't have a whole lot, but I'll give you something. She said, I was getting ready to just fix me and my son a meal and then we were going to die because food was so scarce. She'd give up. She basically said, I'm going to do what I can and I guess God, if... if if you'll work it out, we'll be all right. And Elijah looked at her and he said, what you need to do, he said, is you first serve me and then take care of yourself. And then he said, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that you'll have what you need when you need it. And I'm paraphrasing. And it said that until the rain comes upon the land, that her meal won't fail, that her water will always be there. And just as he said it was, it happened. That her barrel wasn't suddenly full, but every single time that she went back to scrape the bottom of it, there was always enough. There was always that little bit, that handful that God leaves us on purpose. That provision that He provides. And you may say, oh, Brother Jeremiah, those things don't happen nowadays. Let me tell you, God is just as capable today as He was back then. If you're believing unto the faith in God, I guarantee it. Because God promised that He'd never leave you, He'd never forsake you, and He'd take care of you. Now that doesn't mean that you snap your fingers and say, now God, I know I've got the faith. Give me what I want. God, I want $100. And I've heard sermons preached over the years where they say, oh, you can't outgive God. You give 10 in the offering plate. God will give you 100 back. No, that's not how that works. What it is saying, if you concentrate on God, you concern yourself with God, He will guarantee your footsteps. He won't let your words fall to the ground. That if you're able to go, He'll make sure to bring you back. And I can tell you, I have lived that in my life. And I can tell you, I learned to trust Him more during a time of scarcity than I ever did whenever I had all that I needed. Perhaps people will learn to trust God more because they'll simply have no other choice. I pray that it doesn't come to that, but if it brings people to the feet of Jesus at the cross, then so be it. 
Because there is a sickness in this nation and it's been going on for years. There is a sickness that has been communicated from parent to child down through the generations and it's called sin. And all sickness is a result of sin. Now there might be some people that get upset with me saying uh, that this coronavirus is a result of sin, but my Bible reads uh, that without sin, death can occur. And when there is sin, there is death. And when there is death, then there is judgment. And everybody loves to talk about the merciful God and the loving God. But He's also a just God. And when this heart stops beating, when a person goes into eternity, whenever that their life fails them and they come and stand before God, they are standing before the God of judgment. And there will be an accuser there talking about your sin and what you did. And the only way to escape a guilty verdict is by reason of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ walks in and says, Father, I shed my blood for their sin. I took that sin upon me and I did away with it. And yet the world would say, no, Jesus is not the answer. Cleanliness is the answer. And yes, it's good to be clean. But I can tell you what David said in Psalm 119 verse 9. Well, he said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And then he answers his own question and says, by taking heed thereto, under thy word talking about the word of God people are worried about cleanliness right now what we need to be worried about is cleanliness of the spirit because this body may go on for a good long while but eventually it's going to cease to function and the Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man wants to die and then after this comes judgment and at the end of that time physical cleanliness won't matter but spiritual cleanliness will matter. That Jesus, when He was talking to this group of people, He was telling them, uh, when you go out and you work for God, when you concern yourself with God's business, God is going to make sure that you're taken care of. Because a lot of times people will look around and they'll say, well, I would do this or that. I would witness to somebody. But I just ain't got time. What is there an abundance of now in people's lives? Nowadays, there's an abundance of time. Don't have that job to run out to. Everybody said, well, I'm holed up here at the house though. I'm having to try to protect myself from this virus. That's fine. There are ways to communicate with people where you don't even have to get close to them. And maybe we should take advantage of this time to begin to knock upon the, the heart's door of people that maybe you're sitting at home scared to death and looking for a solution to how am I going to make it through this crisis? How am I going to have enough food to eat? How am I going to have my basic needs met? And you can maybe look at them and say, you need to open a Bible. Do you have a Bible? Open your Bible or get on the internet and find one. Man, the Bible is more available now than it's ever been. And tell them to read here in Matthew in chapter 6 verse 25 about how God provides. And then tell them and there's dozens of other places just in this same book where that God provides. Jesus Christ took just a couple of fish and a few loaves and He fed thousands with them. And yet we think, are we going to be okay? I can tell you this, we'll be okay one way or the other. If we've got Christ in our heart and our faith in Him, no matter what storm comes along, we'll be all right. Now, does that mean that you won't 
lose a loved one during this time, I can't guarantee that. I'm very sorry to tell you that I cannot guarantee that. But I can guarantee that if they die in Christ... He'll raise them back up. I can guarantee that if this virus comes and visits you and you don't survive it, that if you've got Christ, He'll raise you back up and you'll be better than what you were when you fell down. I can tell you, if we put our trust in Him, things suddenly don't seem so bad. But now here's the thing. Don't be foolish. This Scripture isn't calling us to go out and to do foolish things. You know, a lot of people would say, oh, now is the time to remember Mark chapter 16 uh, where that it says that if you go out and preach the Gospel and do all these things that you can take up serpents and they'll bite you and they won't hurt you or you can drink poison and it won't kill you. Well, Jesus also said, tempt not the Lord thy God, neither put Him to the test. All I can say is that you trust God and if it happens, I know that He can sustain you, but don't, don't test it. Just count on God. Because when Jesus looked at Satan, and Satan told him, he said, hey, I brought you up here to the pinnacle of the temple, and you just go ahead and throw yourself off. Because in Psalm 91, he said, now he give his angels charge over thee to bear thee up, lest thou at any time dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus tells him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, neither put him to the test. Jesus could have jumped off of that and angels would have bore him up. But he said, here's the better Scripture. Satan will quote Scripture to you. This world will take Scripture and pervert it and make you think something that's completely foolishness. And that's the same way as those people that try to say, oh, well, you just go ahead and take that serpent up and let it bite you and it won't hurt you. Don't count on that. Just count on now if you're about the Lord's business. And you're taking care of his business and Satan tries to send a fiery serpent after you. But I guarantee you that the word of God will ring true in your life. And I can tell you this. A lot of people are worried about what they're going to eat. Satan appealed to Jesus there in the wilderness. <laughs> and he told him, hey, if you're the son of God, then just command that these stones be made of bread. Jesus looked at him and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If we're looking for our provision right now, we should be praying every day, Give us this day our daily bread, both spiritually and physically. Because that's what's on everybody's mind now, right now. This is their daily bread. What can I get? How can I be taken care of? How can I provide? When I was a kid, there was a movie come out called Red Dawn. And it was, I grew up during the tail end of the Cold War. And I'm betting Brother Larry and Brother John remembers it. Where that the Soviet Union and a couple of other nations invaded the United States. And every kid that saw that movie had them a Red Dawn plan. Especially out here in the country, we, we'd uh, figure out a fort somewhere. I know where Brother Larry's was at. I've been to it. And uh, everybody had their plan. What they was going to do when the Russians invaded. Not if, but when. And we was going to stockpile guns. We was going to have canned food. You know, camp out all the entire time and all that. And it was all well and good. But I can tell you, my plans nowadays, and I try to make plans. I try to be ready as best I can. But my plan starts with Jesus Christ and my plan ends with Jesus Christ. That even if something happens to me and I leave this world, 
and my wife and my children are left without me. Don't you think for a second that when I close my eyes in death that I ain't counting on God to continue taking care of them. He might be using me to do it now. He can raise somebody else up if He needs to or He'll give them the strength to make it on their own. And that comforts me in a way in which that no other thing can possibly comfort. Because I can tell you the things that we count on now, they may be slowly stripped away from us one by one. And we look around and we say, Lord, where are we going to turn? And the whole time he's saying, if you people who are called by my name will humble yourselves and repent, I'll heal your land. And I'll restore you and I'll forgive your sin. I'll take care of you. And that's all he's really wanting is for us to commit. And a lot of times people are kind of like uh, the person, you know, that, that wants to help but doesn't want to make any kind of a sacrifice. There's a story that uh, Brother Otis Bowens told me years ago, in which it said, and it's an allegory, it said that there was a chicken and a pig that comes upon a starving man. And the chicken looks at the pig and says, we need to help this man. The pig says, all right, what do you got in mind? And the chicken says, well, he's starving. Let's feed him. And the chicken says, we'll give him bacon and eggs. Pig looks at the chicken and says, Well, that's a lofty goal. Said, But from you, it's a donation. From me, it's a sacrifice. You see, the pig, in order to help the man, he would have had to be all in, he would have had to given up his life. And I can tell you that in order to help, Jesus gave up his very life. He sacrificed himself for us. So that we wouldn't have to suffer the end result of sin. Now, this body does. But this spirit does not. And what we have in Jesus Christ is provision in this world and in the next. And I know of no other place you can get that guarantee. No other religion ever promises to take care of you after you die. Only Jesus Christ looked at the world and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We get to the Father through Him. In this day and time of worry about cleanliness, worry about sickness, worry about disease and all that, I can honestly stand up here and say, I'm not worried. And it's not because I have a guarantee that I won't get sick or I won't lose anything or I won't suffer because of this. But I stand up here unworried because I know that whatever lays ahead, if I put my trust in the Lord, I'm going to make it. I might not like the trip. I might despise the trip. Now, I can give you this analogy to help you understand. I hate road trips. I would just about rather take a physical beating as to have to get in a car and drive any farther than an hour away. You can ask my wife. She would amen that if she were here this morning. But I love the beach. Love it. I love the mountains. I love these places that aren't nearby. And sometimes, though, the destination, isn't it worth the trip? Our journey to heaven. Man, when we get there, what a haggard mess we might look like. I can tell you when I get out of the car after riding for about six or seven hours and only periodic stops, I look like somebody just about needs to be on a walker. My back's hurting me and everything. And I've noticed it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. But it seems like that fades real quick when I see the splendor of whatever it is that I've come to see. And I can only imagine how that it'll be when we come through the gates of heaven and we look around and we see the feet of Jesus and fall down at Him and begin to worship and say, it was worth the trip. It was worth everything I went through. 
Because while our clothes may be a tattered mess, while our armor may be dented and dinged, well worn and well used, it will have been taken off and a nice shiny crown placed on our head and a white robe thrown about us. And then we'll look around and say, yeah, it was, it was worth it. It was worth the suffering. It was worth the difficulty. That's why I stand here unafraid and unworried is because that I believe this word with all of my heart. And when he said, I'll take care of you, you can count on it. When he said, I'll go with you all the way, you can guarantee it. There are precious few guarantees that I can give you in this world. But when it comes to this book, if it has a promise in it, you can stand on it. You might not be able to name and claim things, but if God has named it, you sure can claim it. Number one at the very top of the list is the blood. That promise that if you claim the blood, it will absolve you of all of your sins. Let's everyone stand and get a song. Hey,